back to the Conscious Contact Podcast. My name is Janae and I am your host. And if you are watching this, you'll see that I kind of look like a floating head. If you're not watching this and you're only listening to it, head on over to YouTube, see what I'm talking about. I am seeing myself in the viewfinder and I apologize. It is not October. I do not need to be just a floating head on the screen. I didn't mean to. This is very comfortable. And that is what I'm going for right now. So I apologize, but we're here. We're going to do it anyway. I wanted to talk a little bit about who the fuck am I? And I don't mean like specifically telling you who I am, but more so how I have changed as a person post sobriety and just being in my early 30s, which I cannot say that for too much longer. But I think that when you get sober, you go through an identity crisis. Now, I, I'll put it in, in my own words, I went through an identity crisis when I got sober. Alcohol and the type of lifestyle that I was living while I was drinking was who I was. It was my entire personality was the uh, funny drinking party girl. And once that wasn't available for me anymore, I kind of went through this like, who am I? What am I? What do I even like? Because I started to realize that I, I didn't even know what I really liked, whether it was favorite color or music genre or how I like to dress. I had no idea. Most of those choices were made in service to this persona that I had while I was drinking. I, I don't know if that's going to make any sense to you. If you are sober, it will probably make sense to you. But I just wanted to talk about like anecdotally, what are some of the changes that I've noticed? And also the concept that just because you've been a certain way for a really long time doesn't mean you have to be that way forever. And the permission to change and to change your mind, I didn't realize that that was a thing. Um, and it kept me stuck in a lot of really negative patterns for a really long time. And I mean, it still does. I'm still fighting against a lot of it. And most of them are like, you know, coping mechanisms that I used when I was younger that I don't need anymore, but I'm still kind of acting upon them. <laughs> and it's, it's a weird thing that I have the awareness of it, but because it is so ingrained in me, it feels as if it's a part of me. Uh, for instance, anger is my biggest character defect. I have been an angry person so long that I don't know what to do without it. And I think that that keeps me kind of held in position um, and holding on to that as a way of escaping how I really feel about a situation or how I really should react to a situation. Don't get me wrong. I am a million times better than I was before I got sober. But I know there's a lot for me to work on there. But I get stuck in my mind and it's not really like a thought that I'm actually having like, oh, you're an angry person. But I think on some level that that is kind of what's going on. I, I have been in that groove in the road for as long as I can remember. 
And I constantly have to turn my wheel a little bit to get my wheel out of that groove. And once I do, you know, I have to drive a little bit differently and it's uncomfortable and I am not used to it. And then I get a little bit lazy and then I kind of drift back into that groove again because it's familiar. It's not what's comfortable anymore. It's not what's serving me. It's not who I want to be but it's comfortable. And because it is such a, I mean, it's a habit for me to have my first reaction be anger, no matter what it is, uh, no matter what the, you know, the outside influence is. It takes so much to move away from that. It's just like drinking. I mean, it's, I'm having to learn how to filter through my thoughts before I let words come out of my mouth, which is, you know, a new skill for me. And I'm having to realize that I'm never going to be perfect. Anger is an actual emotion that happens to people sometimes. So it's not an abstinence-based thing like alcohol is for me. I can't just say I'm never going to be angry again and I know that I'm doing better if I've not been angry for forever. That is actually old thinking, that is like pre-sobriety thinking, is running from my feelings. Even if it has, you know, a a good intention behind it. Because I don't want to be angry. And I, people don't deserve for me to be angry if there's nothing for me to be angry about. But ignoring that feeling is almost as detrimental to my growth as acting out on the anger is. And Running from my feelings, ignoring how I feel gets me in a bad place. And I am working on constantly acknowledging the fact that that is my first reaction, but that isn't necessarily what I'm actually feeling. Most of the time when I react with anger, it is because I am afraid. Um, I am afraid of not getting what I want, losing something that I already have. Um, I'm afraid of being vulnerable. I'm afraid of being wrong. I'm afraid of whatever. And it's that defense mechanism. It's the wall that I can very quickly, you know, put up and I don't have to actually deal with what is going on. And that it's not great. (laughs) Again, I'm worlds better than I used to be. But it is something that I'm constantly watching for because, and I'll start with that kind of being the first piece, um, like what life looks like post-sobriety, like who I am after getting sober, is someone that doesn't want to be angry all the time. And even that want is a big milestone because I never, I, I really never wanted anything other than to be able to be righteously angry. I wanted to, you know, be so right that everyone else was so wrong. I I felt vindicated being angry. And a lot of that is childhood stuff. But even as like, you know, in my early 20s up until I got sober, being angry felt good. It really did. And it, it was something that I could chew on and feel better than because of. And if I was angry with you, you couldn't hurt me, which was the biggest one. If I put that facade of anger, which I mean, it was more than a facade, it was real. 
in front of you, you couldn't hurt me. If I was angry at you, I didn't have to deal with how I actually felt about it. I didn't have to deal with looking any deeper. I could just say, you did me wrong and I'm angry or that pissed me off and I didn't have to worry about the rest of it. And it caused me to have not a lot of, you know, actual friendships because how the hell could I be a friend to someone if I wasn't willing to go any deeper than the surface level? And I was constantly offended or mad or what have you. And it just allowed me to to easily cut people out of my life. If I didn't like you, I'd figure out a way to be mad at you for something. Or I would put you in a situation where I knew you would potentially do something that I could say I was angry about so that I could just have you be gone. I was not good at human interactions, at partnerships, at any of that. Absolutely just F plus on that regard. And... Being sober, when I first got sober, I still wanted to be angry. I really did. Um, And it still pops its head up from time to time. I really want to be angry. Uh, Again, because it's comfortable, but also because I didn't know how to live any other way. I thought, well, if I'm not angry all the time, what am I supposed to be? I didn't know, you know, peace and joy and serenity and just plain old happiness. I didn't understand how to live my life that way. I was terrified of happiness. I had, you know, gotten happy and then, you know, things that happened in life that had taken that away from me. So I was scared to then be happy ever because I didn't want to lose it. And if I could just, you know, be angry all the time, I would never have to worry about people letting me down. And it, it was... I'm like processing this while I'm talking to you as well. So I apologize if I'm a little slower than normal. But phew, I mean, it really, it really was a, I don't know how to be any other way. And I didn't know how to do anything other than drink when I first got sober. I didn't know how to deal with life any other way. Anger and alcohol. That was my cure-all for everything. It, it, Felt like it kept me safe, but it was killing me, obviously. And I, I started to realize that, you know, what am I, I was asking myself questions more than anything. Uh, and I was having other people tell me to ask myself questions. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you know, things like, what's the worst that could happen if you weren't angry? What's the worst that could happen if you didn't drink today? What's the worst that could happen if you let someone else be right What's the worst that could happen if you were vulnerable with someone? And I really had to think about that. I mean, my immediate answer was like, I'm going to die to all of those questions, which is not true, but it felt very true because again, I just didn't understand how to be someone who wasn't angry and I couldn't articulate it any more than that. I just didn't understand how people didn't walk around angry all the time <laughs> and it, if I'm sure you can probably guess it was pretty miserable uh, to feel that way and to act that way towards other people. I mean, there was no one that could please me. Didn't matter what you did. Um, I, it, that's a not pleasant person to be around. And I can see that now looking back. But obviously at the time, that's just how I lived. And if you didn't like it, you were the problem. <laughs> I'm just being honest. I'm just a blunt person. 
I just say what's on my mind. And if you can't handle it, that's your fault. You know, that's, that's who I was. I loved when people thought I was a bitch. I really did. It felt like I had accomplished what I set out to accomplish. It kept them very far away from me. And having people afraid of me or afraid of what I might say made me feel better than them being apathetic to me. Um, and it was all a coverall for wanting love and attention so badly and not knowing how to get it in the, the, right, the right way. I don't think there is a right way, but in a genuine way. I didn't know how to explain that to anyone. Um, and I was so terrified of being hurt and left and unheard that I just said, well, if I push everyone away, I'm not going to have to worry about that. And I, I think the biggest part of it was me not, you know, I wanted love so badly, but I didn't know how to accept it. And I'm, I'm still working on that. I didn't know how to accept genuine love or friendship from people. Um, I, it just made me feel weird. And again, it was that, oh, well, if you care about me now, that means you could potentially not care about me in the future. And the thought of that loss was uh, scary enough to make me go ahead and push you away now. And I did that to many, many people over the entirety of my life, pretty much. And that is, you know, a very isolating way to live. It didn't allow me to make any real connections with anyone. And I got so alone after getting sober because also, you know, I was only hanging out with people that drank like I did, you know. And as soon as I got sober, I realized, wow, like that's the only thing that I had in common with most of these people. And I wasn't a very good friend to them anyway. You know, we only got together either to drink or whatever. And they were no longer my friends. And which... I guess really they weren't my friends to begin with because I didn't know how to be a friend to them. But I, I realized like, wow, I am alone. And and I don't want this to scare you off because there, <laughs> there is a positive end to the story. And then I want to move on to lighter things that have changed since I've gotten sober. But I wanted to open with this because I it, it was a big deal for me. And in the first years of sobriety, I remember just bawling to my sponsor, you know, saying, I, I wish I had friends because I was trying to reach out to these people. And I was new in sobriety, so maybe I wasn't ready to be a friend yet. Valid, valid point. But I was reaching out to, you know, these women in the program and I would call and no one would answer and I would leave a voicemail. No one ever called me back. I was trying to connect with people. And I mean, I probably called if you don't know, you get numbers at meetings, so you can call people and, and connect and have a network of other sober sober women. And I, I mean, I had a list of probably like 20, and I kind of worked my way through all of them, and I got two answers. Um, and it, that was really difficult for me. I, I was already feeling abandoned because I didn't have my crutch of alcohol to lean on. And then the more I got sober, the more years into it, I started meeting more people in the program and people were picking up my calls, but there wasn't that connection yet. There wasn't that tenable thing that I would call a friendship. I was still just acquaintances with these people. And again, I'm going to own my part. I might've still been putting up that wall and they could kind of tell and that pushed them away. 
but I really, I, I felt like I was really trying and I would just cry, you know, month after month to Luke, to my sponsor and just be so sad about not having friends. And for someone that didn't care what other people thought for so long, or that's what I told myself. And for someone that, you know, I didn't think twice about friends or friendships or cultivating them or having it be, you know, reciprocated anything. I was realizing that it did really matter to me to have friends, to have people to lean on and feel like someone knew you. And, you know, the years kept going by and I would have the same thing. Either they would, you know, the people I did make real connections with, either they would move away, (laughs) which happened a lot, or they would ask me to be their sponsor. And that kind of changes the dynamic of a relationship. Or they would just, you know, not reciprocate, whether that would be, I would be the only one trying to make plans and they'd always say, yeah, we should catch up. But I would, you know, throw them out some days or ask them what their availability was and they would never respond. Um, There was a lot of that. There was a lot of that. And it, it really crushed me, honestly. And then probably in 2020-ish, which is weird, COVID is (laughs) what sparked me to have friends. Thanks, internet. Um... But I, you know, was talking to Luke about it again, and I I saw this girl on Instagram who I did not know, but I followed, and she started a hollow business during COVID and was making bread from her home. And I kind of knew some people that knew her, um, like tertiarily, not even secondary. And I was telling Luke, like, she looks chill. Um, she's mentioned like being in recovery very loosely and I like she had tattoos. I was like, she's cool. And he said, why don't you just message her and say, Hey, do you want to be friends? And I mean, I kind of (laughs) did, I kind of did send a message like that. Um, a little less forward, but not very much. I was kind of like, Hey, I know this is really random, but you look cool. Would you want to like get coffee sometime? I know it's really weird to like reach out to someone if you don't know them. And especially with women, it can come off crazy, but I swear I'm as normal as I can be at this point. (laughs) And I kind of rambled on and on like that. And I was very lucky, you know, she messaged me back and she was like, yeah, I think you look cool too. Let's meet up and have coffee. And you know, that, (laughs) that was kind of like the beginning of the best meme uh, cathartic mental health issues, <laughs> recovery friendship that I've ever had. And it took me being in a place of being okay with being rejected to, to have that happen. You know, like I, I had to put my big girl panties on and know that she could have said, you know, delete and never read it or she could have said, no, I'm okay. <laughs> like back up um, weird woman. And I did get to the place where I was okay with that. I was vulnerable enough to reach out and it paid dividends. It really did. And continues to obviously, uh, well, I guess not obviously, but I'm still friends with her today. And, you know, slowly that kind of bled into the recovery world too. And I started fostering more of those friendships and it, it was this, this great realization for me that, um, now it's like feast or famine 
is is how my brain was working. Um, it got to the point where I was like, oh, I don't have enough time in my calendar to like hang out with all the people that I want to or that have asked me to get coffee or whatever. And I was telling this to my sponsor and she said, I want you to remember a couple of years ago when you were crying because people wouldn't message you back and how full circle it is and how big of a deal that is. And yeah, it it was just and has been and continues to be a mind-blowing change in the fact that I'm able to show up and be a decent friend. At least I think I am. Obviously, I wouldn't know. But um, I've not had any bad reviews so far. But it's it's a great it's a a great gift that I didn't get on my own. It wasn't just through me, you know, doing something or trying harder. It was God healing all of that for me. I want to make that very clear. You know, I was crying to Luke and I was crying to my sponsor. But I was always crying to God as well and saying, you know, hey, please put women in my life that I can foster real friendships with. Please show me who I can talk to. Please help me to cultivate that. Please help me to be a friend. And those prayers were answered. And I mean, that is something that, again, required vulnerability and me letting my guard down. And that never would have happened if God hadn't allowed it because I had been trying to be vulnerable and to not be angry my whole life. And nothing changed until I gave that up and started to have a prayer life, you know, got sober, got a God, started to have a prayer life and really intentionally focused on that for, for a number of years, you know? So anyway, that, I, that sound, that feels like a testimony. I feel like <laughs> I need to get down off of a podium right now, but I, it is miraculous. And I, I want to put that out into the world. So more surface level, lighthearted things. So I got sober, didn't know who I was, didn't know what music I liked. For a really long time, I didn't listen to any music at all after getting sober. Um, I used to listen to a lot of music while I was drinking, and I was kind of worried about having either flashbacks or like it making me think of certain times, and I just wasn't ready to face all of that. So I didn't listen to music for a really long time. I listened to NPR and audiobooks. And or just silence, honestly, because I I had spent so long like drowning out my inner thoughts. Uh, I, I kind of needed that space when I was just driving around to really just be. And that was a lot of my meditation was driving around and running errands because I wasn't really able to like sit and meditate yet. So driving around without any music on and just really being with my thoughts. Um, was a lot of meditation for me. And then I kind of started leaning into, I'm a big 50s music person. I love big band stuff. And uh, 50s gold on Sirius XM. If you want to sponsor me, I would be happy to curate a playlist for you. But I, I love 50s music. And every song, even if it's sad, is just very happy to me. And I don't have any really like drinking memories associated with that music. I liked that music before I got sober, but I wasn't listening to it constantly. I wasn't listening to it to try to change my mood, which is what I use music for a lot of the time. And it's not until really like the past two years that I've really gotten back into listening to things like techno or drum and bass or 
emo music because big emo girl. And it is, I'm slowly dipping my toe into it, but I, I think that I've kind of flipped that switch. Like it feels nostalgic when I listen to stuff, but it's not intriguing to me anymore. And I think for me, that means my tastes have changed. And I, so I'm trying to like dive into what else is out there. So if you've got some favorite music genres that are kind of off the beaten path that you think I should check out if I like 50s music and jazz and bossa nova and stuff like that, please let me know. And yeah, I, I thought that that was really interesting. And again, it continues to evolve. And the person that I am right now, hopefully will not be the person that I am in a year. Uh, I try to grow and being the same person for the rest of my life, one is not sustainable. And two gives me no room to be better or grow or, you know, any of that. I, I was trying like style even, I still haven't figured that out. <laughs> still haven't figured that out. But I really did go through a period of time where I wore no skirts, no dresses, no feminine, anything. Um, I wore no makeup. This is like first getting sober. Um, I didn't do anything with my hair. Um, it, it, I was just kind of stewing in my, in myself. I got really bad acne right after getting sober that continued to progress. Um, and I just, I didn't, again, I didn't know who I was. I didn't know what I liked, what I wanted, how I wanted to be perceived by the world. Because again, like I had such bad intentions prior to getting sober with the way that I presented myself to the world. It was, you know, dressing a certain way to, to get either attention or to hide from attention from people. And I had, you know, caked my face in makeup for a multitude of years with different jobs that I had. And I just didn't know if that was me anymore. I think I was kind of rebelling against everything that I did before I got sober. I think I was really just putting a moratorium on, I'm not going to listen to anything, wear anything, do anything that I did prior to getting sober. Um, cause I was just terrified. I mean, honestly, I, it's life or death for me. And if you're an alcoholic, it is. And I am a, a real alcoholic as it talks about in the book. And I was kind of petrified to, to dip my toe back into that. And I was straightening my hair. It was really long. And I, 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 maybe you can't tell, this is my natural hair texture. And I fought this for most of my life. And I didn't start really wearing my hair curly on a consistent basis until probably 2020. I'm like thinking about that again, 2019, 2020, something like that. And it really has become a part of what I feel is my identity now. And again, that could change six months from now, but it's something that I kind of leaned back into because I've obviously, I mean, I've had this hair texture since I was young and for the majority of like my teenage and adult life, that straightener boy it was heavy, heavy in my life. And whenever one died, I would have to get another one. And it was constantly, you know, blowing my hair dry straight and then straightening it. And I've played around with my hair color a lot and had red, I had teal at one point in time, pumpkin 
orange, I've had black, I've had whatever, but most of the time I've been some kind of blonde like this. And I do feel like that's where I'm comfortable right now. Who Again, who knows? It might change in the future. But embracing having curly hair, which I've been asked to do like curly hair product recommendation videos and stuff. I feel like there's so many people that know so much more about it than me. And it's so personal. Like your choice of hair products and how you put them in even and the amount of water you use and what you do after you get out of the shower is so personal. There are so many techniques. It has taken me up until like this point in the past four months to really get somewhere where products are consistent for me and I get consistent results. Um, But I did, for those that are asking, I did want to quickly mention broadly what I use. Shampoo is a crapshoot. I have psoriasis on my scalp, so I have to use a psoriasis shampoo like every other time I shampoo my hair or every third time. And then sometimes I need to use a clarifying shampoo to get all the product that's left over out of my hair. Sometimes I use a moisturizing shampoo if my hair is really dry. (sighs) You know, all of that. Um, Those are neither here nor there. They're a dime a dozen. I could use any of them. My conditioner of choice is Curlsmith. Yes, I think that's the brand. Curlsmith Double Cream Quencher in the tub. Absolutely love it. It phenomenal. It doesn't weigh my hair down, but it gives me moisture that I need because of the bleach. And I absolutely love it. After that, I will put in a, a Curlsmith Feather Light or something like that. It's the super lightweight leave-in conditioner. Love that. It smells phenomenal. And then the key for me has been this gel. And I I only think they have like four products. The company is Uncle Funky's Daughter. Yes, that is the real name of the company. And I, God, I hope they don't go out of business or anything because this, this gel is legit. It is their gel. It comes with a pump. Like, oh, hallelujah. And I put that in my hair and then I use Curl Keeper, uh, the original. I don't know how to describe it other than that's called the original. And then I diffuse my hair with a hair dryer diffuser thing. Shout out to my mom for the shark hair dryer diffuser situation. It's very good. Highly recommend. And yeah, then I refresh my hair with some amount of water and some amount of those two gels at some point. Again, it's so dependent on weather. If I've just gotten my hair done, so I don't, I don't want to give you any more details than that, not because I'm trying to keep a secret, but because they're probably not going to matter to you in the grand scheme of things. There are lovely women on YouTube that can go through all the different techniques and layering and how to dry and all, all of that and just play around with it. Have fun. I think that's the biggest thing that I've learned, again, with like figuring out who I am is to not be afraid to experiment, to not be afraid to try out something new. And there's a lot of things that I've tried that are not for me and they're not part of who I am. Like I tried to learn the piano um, and quickly got frustrated and it just wasn't my thing. Again, doesn't mean it's not going to be my thing forever, but I don't play piano. There's there's one thing there. Um, so curly hair, part of my what I feel is my identity now. A lot of homemaking and it took me... A really long time to own that and that's not everybody's situation 
I want to obviously say that I know that. Uh, but for me, being a partner in a support system um, in that way is so much learning. Like, good God. Um, I didn't know how to cook. Had to learn how to cook. I, I like to cook. I really enjoy baking, but that tends to like put on the pounds. So I have to like slow down with that. Um, you can't eat baked goods every day. I mean, you could, but uh, see my last video for my whole high cholesterol issue. So I'm, I'm still learning to love cooking, but I do really like baking and cultivating right now, like specifically right now, I'm trying to learn how to better care for my equipment that I use when I'm cooking. So like my cut, I'm, I'm working on wood stuff right now, my cutting board and my wood utensils, which man, I never thought I would use wood utensils. I thought that was like a weird person's thing to do. Um, but I love wood utensils. They are my absolute favorite things in the entire world. And they're not as difficult as they feel like. And I just oiled them for the first time. Don't tell anybody. I've had them for a really long time. But I, I didn't understand it. I mean, it takes effort to take care of things that are natural, like wood. And I'm, I'm learning how to take care of the things that I have better. And that goes into me wanting to cook from scratch more and be less wasteful and, you know, all of that stuff. And really skilling up in those areas like laundry. Still working on that one. I have to switch a load after I'm done recording this. I am terrible about getting a schedule with it, but I am doing better at actually caring for the fabrics so I'm learning how to do all of that. And it's, it is challenging because I, f I hate not being good at something. <laughs> and if you're learning something new, you're going to be bad at it at the beginning. Or, you know, I don't like admitting that I don't know something, <laughs> which is probably the deeper issue there. So I have to admit that I don't know it. And then I have to search out new information. I'm learning how to bake sourdough bread. Yes, I'm keeping a sourdough starter alive you know, God's with me on that one, but I have made one okay loaf. And then the one that I just finished today did not turn out very well. <laughs> Used a different recipe. I'm trying, you know, all the different techniques and recipes and seeing what I like the most. I've got another one on deck for whenever I have the time. And it, I'm trying to lean into being a beginner. And I've listened to a lot of podcasts that are talking about that recently, since we're still in January. Leaning into not knowing, leaning into being a beginner has really helped me cultivate the things that I like and who I am. It's it's allowing me to feel more rather than just make choices. So I guess I need to kind of follow back up on the clothing aspect. I do really like dresses and skirts. I do really like feeling feminine. I, I like feeling like a woman. It makes me feel the prettiest, the nicest, the most put together when I'm wearing a dress or a skirt. And I need to invest more in those pieces. I need to get more. And I, I have over the past couple of years, but I need to figure out, you know, what spots I have that are missing. Appropriate footwear for each season in the colors that I wear the most. Still cultivating that. And, you know, and leaning into it being like, it's fun to create an adult wardrobe, you know, sometimes. 
Uh, other times it can feel very discouraging because I'm still like kind of floating in space. If there are any personal stylists out there, let me know because I would love to pick your brain. But yeah, it's it's that leaning into how do I want to feel and kind of letting that guide me into trying different things out and seeing what I really like and not doing things for the sake of just doing them because I think I should or whatever. Um, another thing that I don't hear a lot of people talk about, I have tattoos and I was around that industry quite a bit when I was younger. And then as I got older, continued to get tattoos and kind of be in that environment as much as I could. And I don't hate my tattoos now, but I, I question whether or not I would have gotten any. And I know that's kind of weird. I'm not going to go like get them lasered off or anything. I don't want to be rid of them. But I do think sometimes, you know, what are these? I'm lucky that I don't have any that I regret or anything. I'm very, very lucky <laughs> with that. I don't know how that happened, but because um, I had a lot of questionable ideas. I, I just never ended up having the money when I wanted to get them. Thank goodness. But yeah, I sometimes I, I look at myself and I'm kind of like, hmm, what would it be like if I had never gotten any and do they do they match who I am? Will I get any more? Because there was a period not too long ago, like a couple years ago, that I was planning on getting more and had an idea of what I wanted to finish out my arms with. And I just don't know if I will now, which is kind of wild. Again, I might change my mind in six months and go get a full sleeve or something. But yeah, I'm I'm going through the process, process of trying to figure out is that really who I am? Um, and it's intriguing. I don't have an answer for that. And that's okay. Uh, reading. I used to just read whatever the bestseller was or whatever, you know, was the most popular thing. And as I've kind of been reading more, I've realized I don't really like the most popular thing very often. Um, and sometimes I do. So again, I'm not going to put a hard and fast rule on it, but I'm trying to lean into reading more of what's really feeding me. So I'm reading a lot of books that, I mean, again, if you're not living the life that I live, you wouldn't read them, but a lot of things that are trying to teach me how to skill up in certain levels and emotional intelligence and being a better partner and, you know, all of that stuff. And, I, I, it's really feeding me and I'm kind of recommending it to other women that I see are in kind of the same situation as me and trying to do a book study with a couple of different books with a couple of different people. And I want to get the book club started again on here, but I just don't know where to start. Like, I don't know what book I would pick and I've got my shelves behind you all right now and I just don't know where I would go with it. There's so many, there's so many things I want to read, the perpetual problem, but I'm really starting to understand that if I don't like a book and I've given it a good college try and I'm a couple chapters in and I'm still not really liking it, I don't have to finish reading it. And I want to thank Susan for that because I was just, you know, hate reading books for a really long time and it wasn't very fun and it made me stop reading for a while. But yeah, if I don't like a book, I just quit reading it. Um, currently listening to right now, The Ninth House. I'm only a couple of hours in, but I'm really enjoying it. So stepping my toe into like magical 
sci-fi-ish, as far as I can tell, stuff. So really liking that. Um, and yeah, I, I don't, I don't know who I will be in my next iteration. I'm trying to remain as open as possible because that is really helpful for me too, is realizing that again, just to end cap both, both parts of this, this podcast, just because that's how I've always been, it doesn't mean that's how I always have to be. And giving myself permission to change my damn mind. Uh, I want to be able to grow. I want to be open. I want to be teachable. And I can't do that if I say to myself, here's who I am, X, Y, Z. Do this, do that, don't do this, like this, don't like that. I can have preferences, but I, I really want to keep my mind open. I really want to be able to take in things, to learn from others to move around, you know, and get new ideas or find new music or land on a different style and be open to letting old things go and not mourning them, but, you know, being grateful that they served me up until when they didn't and being able to continue on. So I hope that one, I guess you've learned a little bit more about me, but I hope it made you think about yourself. I hope it it helped you to see something that you're holding on to that might not be serving you or something that you forgot that you were interested in that you want to dive into again. So I appreciate you so much. Thank you for listening and or watching and I'll see you in the next one.